Yes, today is Avril and Friends. So I'm just going to kick us off and then some other people are going to be joining. Could you just put that in introduction? Up? Uh, Neil spoke a while ago about um, the prodigal son. It was a few Sundays ago. And then John was talking about um, that thing about being content and all these really things you think, oh, yeah. But it's interesting because... Um, one of the emphases of Neil's talk in The Prodigal Son was about the brother who stayed at home. And for some, those that were there at the conference back in November, Norma also brought that same thing. And I've just never seen that before, the whole thing about the brother being left at home being a deal. And the story of the, the Prodigal Son is in Luke 15. I won't go through it all now. But what I want to really focus on before our friends come, is verse 31. And it's after the son has said, you know, that blooming guy goes away, spends all your money, ruins everything, and then he comes back and you still welcome him and you give him all these things and you do the fatty calf and you give him a ring and a robe and what about me? I've served you all these years. What have I had? And the father says to him, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. And it's been one of these things that has been on my mind a lot, really since the, the November conference, of what does that mean? Everything I have is yours. That's what God is saying to us, those who know him. We constantly live in his house. And everything he has is ours. And that's what we're going to explore this morning. So I'm just going to straight away... Now, one of the key things in this thing about everything I have is yours is God is very faithful in speaking to us. And part of the way you can find out what it means to have everything he has is to apply the word that he brings. And we're going to hear some stories now from Ginny and Moses' home group of how they have applied a particular word that came actually at the leaders' weekend and then they've been using on since that time. And they're very powerful testimonies of what God has done when people have heard his word and applied it. And then I'll come back in summary. So guys, those who are speaking, do you want to like come and sit here so that you're ready to go? Ginny's going to kick it off. So in our house group, I would say that we were going along tickety-boo. Everything seemed lovely. But one of the things that I felt was that although we were friendly, we were welcoming, etc., there was something missing. I felt I wanted more. And then when I looked at our life in God together, I felt we were stuck. So everyone, we were going on, but we weren't growing. I didn't feel that we were growing. So I really felt like, come on, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then we had this word from God about the dry bones, Ezekiel 37. And on the week, leaders' weekend, we really spent a lot of time on dry bones. And during that time, God spoke to me and said, this is a word for the house group. So I brought it back to our house group, and I said, we're going to do a study of Ezekiel 37, and that's what we did. So we studied Ezekiel 37, which is all about the dry bones, and what has it got to teach us about pressing into God? And then, it, then we had a time of just being quiet and asking God specifically so what is my dry bone? And, um, and that's kind of a risky moment because you don't know how many people have engaged or whatever. But actually, 
it's been a fantastic time. But God has shown up. Um, and I would say that one of the things that, that would, I would say is a highlight is the way that people have been willing to be open and to be vulnerable and honest. And, um, and that willingness of each person to care about the other person. So we really waited on God. So sometimes we didn't have anything. Um, and then suddenly when God started to speak, he came all at once. And then another highlight what, or hallmark of this period was the accuracy of the words that people brought. That it was so key to, to everything. And then the thing that God emphasized, that it wasn't so much about the dry bone, but he wanted us to have a deeper relationship with him and he wanted to be intimate with us. And so, so all in all, we're really excited um, I could bore you to death, but I'll let them tell you all about their stories. But the fact is, is that Ezekiel 37 is really exciting. Um, and it's exciting for us because it's given us growth. And it's given us a deeper walk with Jesus. And it's given us a deeper relationship with one another. And here are some of the testimonies that people have. Hello. <laughs> First on, no pressure. Um, Okay, um, so for me, when we, I heard John talking about dry bones, to be honest, I didn't think I had one. <laughs> it was one of those things that um, sort of hear about on Sunday and just washes over you. But when we talked about it in group and we really pressed in and I pressed in and asked God about it, he said, actually, you do have one. And, um, you know, for a long time, you've been living in this spirit of rejection from people, family, friends, colleagues. And... Um, it was a bit of a surprise to me, to be honest. I, I wasn't expecting that. But um, he said, you know, this isn't a bad thing to point this out. You know, you can, you can move on from this. So he said to me, firstly, you need to repent, you need to forgive, and you need to actively seek out <clears throat> those people that you've um, been hiding away from all these years and time over time. And um, <clears throat> so over the next sort of few weeks... Um, went around actively finding people that I'd been avoiding in the past, <laughs> making conversation, you know, just being friendly. And God had been really helpful in that. You know, he, these connections were um, felt quite natural, quite easy to do, and I just felt like really blessed after each connection, new connection that I'd um, have made. And um, yeah, I was sort of happy, content to leave it that. And then. Um, when we shared in group a few weeks later, um, again, we was praying on it, and, and God had shown me that there'd been a, a, like a healing in me, and because of that healing, he's now bringing me into a time of restoration, and there's going to be, um, I mean, I don't know what it means for the future, but I mean, it started already with my family. <clears throat> um, I've got family now that I never knew I existed, existed um, on my father's side, which I know it's amazing. I've got a whole extended family out there that I never knew. And um, I just, yeah, I just got a real sense that there's, there's more out there for me and uh, that God's got, got more, more to come. So, yeah, I'm just thanking God that he's faithful. He doesn't leave me, he doesn't leave us in where we are, but he wants to see us moving on and uh, living in the fullness of what he's got for us. So, thank you. Hello everyone, 
Um, my name's Brandon, and uh, I'm very new to Ginny's house group. Um, I've only been twice. Um, the first time was a bit of an experience. Uh, I'm going to share it with you. Um, it was a time that they were talking about dry bones, praying for each other's dry bones. I wasn't there for the study of it, um, so I didn't really know what is a dry bone. Um, I texted something through to Ginny. I, I knew that probably wasn't it. So I went, and they were praying in a group, for, praying specifically for someone in their dry bone. And then Ginny said, actually, I feel the Lord is saying we should pray for Brandon. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and um, for the next 20 minutes or so, they started praying for me quite intensely. Um, I can, I'm trying to think what it was like. It was like going under the knife and having open-heart surgery. Um, and that's quite truthful. And um, because the Lord started to speak to me very directly through them about something I've always struggled with, um, by the end of it, I felt the only right thing to do was to share what that struggle was. That was hard, um, but I'm glad it happened. Um, and then I said, that's my dry bone. <laughs> so the Lord had revealed it to me and to them. Um, so I'm someone who always struggles with approval. Um, I feel the need I have to prove myself to people. Uh, more controlled by what people think often about me more than what God thinks. And I know the Christian life is one of uh, change and freedom, but I can feel quite defeated with this. Um, and almost feel like, is it possible to make progress? So I can't tell you how much of an encouragement that night was. Um, I felt it was confirmation saying from God that it's not always going to be like this. And the fact that he was speaking to me through people who don't really know me, I only see them in church on a Sunday, um, it was really powerful. So I'd love to say that everything's fine, but it's not. <laughs> it's still a daily battle. Um, but uh, ultimately, it's my sin that I can quite sometimes enjoy, which is weird. Um, so... I'm reminding myself of what was said because it was so specific in the verses. Um, and uh, I just get a whole sense God is saying that change can happen, but it will happen. Um, so I, I, me and my family, we've been so blessed going to the group. And it was just at the right time. It was amazing. So I praise the Lord. Hi, I'm going to interview Sally for this one. Um, Sally, what did you identify your dry bone to be? Um, that I used to have a real love for reading the Bible, the Word of God, and it used to feel almost like red hot, the Bible, but you know, in recent years, just not the same excitement or not the same hearing from God. Okay, so the house group prayed for you on a particular um, Tuesday. Tell us just what were the words about generally, sum them up. Um, There was a sense of um, me sitting with a group of women and not not me leading in any sort of Bible um, reading sense or sharing sense, but a group of women and we were all sharing um, things from the Bible and it was very exciting and very alive and um, one person had a picture of, of us each tearing, ripping pages out of the Bible and saying, like, read this, read this. And it was really alive and exciting. And as I was chatting with Sally, she was saying, it's funny, isn't it? We get an idea, this is our dry bone, and then we think it'll look like this. And she was thinking, oh, yeah, I've got to read the Bible more on my own. And what God said to her just was a completely different thing to what she'd expected. Um, in the past, you had already had that sense of maybe studying the Bible with a group of people. What had stopped you previously? Um, I think various things, but the main one was that I felt that I didn't know enough about the Bible. It was like my Bible knowledge wasn't good enough. And that's why when in house group people 
started praying for me. I was really scared because I thought, oh, they're going to say, oh, you need to go off on a Bible study course. Or, um, but then that wasn't what, what, what God spoke to people. It was around the same time that Sally began to talk to us about the Discovery Bible studies, and you felt that that might be a way ahead for you. And over the next few weeks, a lot of things that came on a Sunday particularly spoke to you. Just tell us about a couple of those. Um, yes, because I was still I was feeling very excited that God had spoken specifically about what he wanted me to do. But um, several words encouraged me or, or prompted me to move on because I think it was John was talking about... Um, using what's in your hand and I'd felt very much that what was in my hand was our home that I felt God wanted us or me to use somehow the area where we lived and lots of friendships to do with the school that the kids go to neighbors um, people from Lifeline everything where I work everything very close together so that was in my hand the friendships and the home and the desire to see people's lives transformed by Jesus so you went from saying, God, I can't do this because I don't know enough to, okay, God, I will do it, that I'll obey you and trust you. Yeah. And also, um, there were several messages about yes, obeying and just getting on with things not, um, and not being tentative. I can't remember, it might have been Sally who spoke, who said, you know, it doesn't matter if you fall flat on your face. What is the worst thing that could happen? The best thing will be you're obeying God just by reaching out. Um, yeah, and just to let God do the rest. You take the first step and God will do the rest. So you said yes to God. What happened very shortly after that? Um, almost immediately, I think, um, somebody who happened to be Rachel <laughs> volunteered to or came forward and said, oh, you know that Bible study thing? I would love to do that. Um, and that was just so exciting because I, I, I'd just been like, oh, I can't possibly do something like that because I don't have enough Bible knowledge. As soon as I said to God, yes, here I am, God, I'll do it. I'm scared. I'm still really scared. It's been confirmed. Almost instantly, God brought somebody alongside me to, sh to share that, to encourage me. So it's just amazing. Yeah. And the ripples of what God's doing have now gone out beyond just that Bible study. Tell us just a little bit. Yes, I feel since i um, been praying more about specifically the Bible study and which people God would like to bring and whose hearts are ready and having read the book that John and Sally recommended, um, my... my whole attitude to where I live and more specifically towards the people where I live has changed it's much more loving much more accepting of people up and down the road all sorts of people it's just God's changing my heart not in a much bigger way than just like a bible study group of some sort and you were in your garden this week what happened oh yeah yes in my garden and Rachel and I have been praying very much about who would come to this group that we're hoping to start and um, and the lady who lives next door to us has said that she would love to come to a group like that. So that's just a, it's a start. So we're very encouraged. So watch this space. It's just the beginning of what God's doing. Thank you. Okay, Gary and Lisa. I'm going to do Gary and Lisa. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm going to do Gary and Lisa together because they kind of start from different places, but the way their stories weave together is quite exciting. So, Gary, what did you identify your dry bone to be? My dry bone was the uh, lack of relationship with my own father. And tell us a bit about what that was like. Well, my parents divorced when I was six years old, and um, through my teenage years, 
Uh, I, I saw my dad on and off. It wasn't a very strong relationship. Um, it was quite weak. And um, in my late teens, uh, my dad actually abandoned me. And um, he didn't want anything to do with me. So for a number of years, um, I didn't see him. And um, there was kind of um, a lot of battles going on. Um, myself, I was kind of quite angry the way so he, tra he treated me and my younger brother. Um, and just, uh, you know, battling with God on, on how to deal with that. Um, so, yeah, that was that's basically in summary. It's very short. But. So when he used to come to visit, what was that like when he came to see you? Yeah, a number of years later, he remarried, and uh, we eventually um, got back in touch. And I think it was his wife prodded him to do that. Um, and um, he used to come up, uh, they used to both come up and visit us. Um, but they were always kind of looking at the clock and, you know, keeping an eye on the time. And it didn't really feel quite... It didn't really, really feel real. It's kind of it was like nobody really wanted to be there. Um, so it's quite, in my, our view, it's quite quite fake and wasn't really much point in carrying on if it was going to continue that way. Okay. So at house group, we prayed for you. Just sum up what was the sense that you felt from that about what God was saying to you. God, um, the house group prayed very specifically um, about um, healing and forgiveness, um, which is quite um, quite battles that I've been going going with throughout the years. Uh, also, how we could build a bridge again with, with this relationship. And um, not, all, not necessarily how my dad could change, but how God could change me. Um, and that was kind of quite specific in, in, in that time. Excellent. I'm going to just leave Gary at that point and come to Lisa, and then we'll come back. Okay, so alongside this, Lisa, um, you were beginning to identify something of your dry bone. What was that? I think... Um Back to basic, I think that's between uh, me and God, my, our relation, my relationship with God. Um, and how would you describe how you were um, those months ago? I felt really tired and um, very negative and a lack of a, a feel system. Okay. Yeah. And once you identify that, what did you decide to do about it? I think that's my drive on God, please help me to... to to restore my passion for you and I want to be very exciting about life again so that's a hand over to him and I found a few months later I noticed some people uh, my colleague in office passed me said why you look so happy I said because I'm part-timer and I just <laughs> at, at that point I felt oh yeah I do feel a lot happier since like oh yeah I didn't realize that before but I do feel more positive and I have more energy I want to do more things with the kids and make a difference, like my mum dad relationship. And oh, it's lots of things like going on. I just want to be doing things. So you asked God to change something, and then you realised a few weeks later that a few months later, few months later that things were different, kind of all by themselves almost. Good. Um, at that same time, how would you describe your relationship with Gary's dad? I came from a very similar background. Since I was 11, I saw my dad twice. And it's a kind of very similar background. That's why I probably brought us together. And um, what is that done to us very triggered me about the daddy thing. And very, like, very, very bitter inside. So I, yeah, that's... And how did God start to speak to you about that? What did he begin to say? I didn't really realize God, but it's, I felt change of heart. I've... I don't feel, I don't hate them anymore. All of a sudden, I feel, 
oh, in their 60s, I do, we should do something about it. We should carry them a bit more. I don't know. I don't just, I feel, come, let them come around and I want to just hosting. I, I don't know. It's change of heart. I didn't really ask for this. I was asking, mean, got a relationship, but this happened. I, I don't understand it, but it's, it just happened. Excellent. So you together decided you were going to invite them to go out for a meal with you. Um, instead of just feeling like you were ticking a box, as in the past, you really wanted to do it this time, so you were really pushing through to make it happen. Tell us what that time was like. It was amazing, actually, because um, for the first time, we felt that uh, they didn't actually want to run away. They weren't keep watching, keep keeping an eye on the clock, and it was quite a relaxed and, and natural time together, which we, you know, we praise God for. Um, so that's, um, yeah, obviously, it's, it's, it's the beginning, but uh, you know, there's, there's lots more to come. What are you now looking to God to do? Because it started the change. I mean, you must, if you get a chance to talk to Gary and Lisa, it's incredible. We're just kind of doing the highlights, but the changes that they've seen in a situation that's been stuck for a very long time. So what, what's the future? What are you hoping and praying for? Well, we know that um, God is uh, bringing forgiveness, and it's, um, it's an ongoing thing. It's not just uh, once you dealt with it, but you have to continue to, to um, you know, bring that forward. And um, God is starting to... Uh, bring a, a bridge, build a bridge together, and uh, as he's changing us, he's actually changing them as well. So you know that's that's quite a crucial thing. So. Excellent. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> Just in kind of summary, it's been a really exciting time for us. I think every time we've met and prayed. God has really spoken. And for me personally, I've never had such a flow in a sense of what God's saying, but not just me, for many of us in the group. And just the excitement of bringing God's word. And then a few weeks later, seeing that things have begun to shift and the things that we've said are not necessarily complete, but something new has started. And I think in it, we found a greater care for each other and also a sense of God's amazing goodness and ability to turn things around. So it's been a very rich, rich season for us in house group. Thank you. And these amazing stories. <laughs> They're just incredible. Oh, it sounds a bit loud now. Thank you. Incredible stories. And I just. Not each of them will be relevant for everybody, but I'd be surprised if there wasn't something in there for everybody. A sense of rejection, needing approval, a kind of lost love, stepping out into things that are unknown, broken relationships. And the theme around it all, if you noticed, was as God changed them, things changed. And I just want to take the next 10 minutes to tell you a little bit about something of my journey over this last few months and what God has been showing me in this whole area as well. So it comes back to the thing about everything I have is yours. And that particular example for the, that house group was the, the word of God about the dry bones. But it's amazing how there's things God will promise us that we kind of put in our pockets and say, yeah, yeah, that's what God's promised us. And yeah, 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 no, it's true. But we don't apply it. And for me, there was two very key things that God had promised me over the last, I don't know, probably 20 years. And the first one that I've always lived, the reality, just like kind of knowing him. Could you just put that next one up? And God has always promised me that he would provide everything I needed. And one of the verses that was always very relevant to me ever since, I mean, probably 
particularly around my illness and since that time, was Psalm 16. And Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen from me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And I knew that reality and I sensed that thing of God had done in my life and that he was my portion and cup and he did make my lot secure and he would provide everything I needed. And another one was that I just knew a sense of security because of what God had done for me. In Psalm 112, I can remember actually um, lying in a hospital bed, having been in hospital for six months, and I was getting worse, not better. And all these people were praying for me, and I'm thinking, what is the point? It's not doing any good. In fact, it's getting worse. And, and Dave Jones had sent me a whole bunch of Psalms. I thought, oh, here we go again. Can't even be bothered reading them, to be honest. And I'd, John and Don had been to see me, and I'd kind of said, you know what, I, I can't deny God, but it just kind of feels like, what is the point? He's just nowhere near. And I turned to the Psalms that David sent me, and one of them was this Psalm 112. And God just really met with me. I was on my own. It was in this little ward. Of, I was in Harefield because I, oh, it's too complicated, but anyway. And, and this is what God has said. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look on their foes. And about half an hour later, the surgeon popped his head round the door and said, oh, we're going to operate in your lung tomorrow. We've got to remove about a third of it. It's not going to, the things we're doing aren't working. And God had already spoken to me and said, you don't have to fear anything. And he just met with me. And that's his promise to us. We have no fear of bad news. I still had to go through the thing. I didn't get better immediately. But God had spoken to me. That's fine. But, you know, a really weird thing happened for me over the last year. Living in the good of these things, knowing these things, God really genuinely speaking to me about them. I um, had a big birthday in February. But, and it's been a really significant thing, not because of the age, and I'm not 70 or 60, I'm, six, I'm 50. <laughs> but um, for the year before it, I had actively been dreading this birthday. Not because of the age... <laughs> But because actually a whole bunch of my friends are also 50 this year, I won't expose them. They can decide if they do or not. And the thing for the year before was, well, like this is going to be horrific. You know, all these people are 50. They've all basically, I mean, they're not even like got just married with kids now. They're like married with growing up children. Their children are at university. And I'm still here on my own, having longed for something to be different in my life. And it wasn't the 50, it was the comparison to everybody else who was 50. I thought, I can't face it, I can't do it. And it was almost a sense for me that, that even though I knew these things and how good God had been to me, I kind of felt like he'd shamed me. And I would find myself in kind of work situations when I was out and about and everybody would be talking, you know, like when you're at a meeting and you're talking afterwards and folk are talking about their kids and different things. I just wouldn't really say anything because I thought, well, I can't say I haven't got kids. I can't say I'm on my own. It's just embarrassing. I mean, for goodness sake, they'll think I'm this really sad, old, lonely spinster. So this was all in my head, and it was real. But I didn't even know it was real. And as this 50 thing came up, so then I thought, right, okay, I'll escape. I'll go to Dominica. Poor Tina, she's like my escaped zone. I'll go to Dominica because that feels like a nice thing to be doing. I can say it's a nice thing to do, but actually I'm just escaping so I just don't have to face anybody. 
And then after Christmas, I really felt God convicted me, reminded me of these things, saying, really, Avril, your life is going to be escape? Surely it's about my grace. Surely it's about, you've seen me provide for you so much. I thought, no, you're right. That's right. So I'm going to find God's grace in this thing, and that's fine. And then, worst of all, somebody, one Sunday morning, just before I'd picked them up for the meeting, and they said to me, Avril, I'm thinking about your birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine about that now. It's going to be fine. I'm going to Dominica. God's going to grace me. It's going to be fine. I'm not worried about it now. I'm, I'm okay. And she said, no, I really think you've got to celebrate it. And I just burst into tears. It was just like one of these moments. I'm like, I can't. I really can't. I cannot celebrate. Because it was like celebrating this life that I felt I didn't want. And then as things started to go on, it's like I'm thinking, and it, wait a minute, what am I saying here? God said these things to me. I say I live in the good of it, yet I'm negating the life he's given me. I've said this isn't enough. And I started to suddenly realize, and we were on the leaders weekend, and on the Friday night after a time of worship, God really spoke to me. And I could see, you know, when I would go to my bed at night, I'd remind God, it's like he didn't know. I'm still on my own. Like he didn't know, because he kind of probably didn't know. So I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. But this isn't enough. What you've given me isn't enough. And God really convicted me about, is what I've given you enough? And the amazing thing since that time, and probably it doesn't look any different externally, apart from the fact I've now had three birthday celebrations and enjoyed every one of them. But it's not what the, it's the internal thing. I am just different. I have a different outlook in life. I have a different expectation I believe I am finding joy that every prophecy I'd ever had was about joy. And I was like, what about the husband and children? I mean, I haven't said that to a prophet one time. He gave me this prophecy about going to the ends of the earth. I said, is there anything about husband and children in there? It's just like, oh, even saying it's embarrassing. But I was saying to God it wasn't enough. And God was saying, trust me. And since that time, I, it is, I cannot even describe to you how it feels It's just so different because God says, everything I have is yours. And when everything, we we can have everything that he has for us. And that just changes life. And it makes life enjoyable and adventurous and fun. And I want us just today to be thinking that the things that the guys have said today, there will be different things for each of you. And we can live stuck. I didn't even know I felt like this. These guys didn't know. You know, it's like Dave was saying, I didn't really think I had a dry bone. And then God pinpoints something. And I just wanted, there's a, Galatians 5 has really struck me recently. And I want to, I want to talk, I'll go through it with you. It's in the message. Because if you think of the fruits of the Spirit, we're all Christians, you know, love, patience, praise, yeah, 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 I know the fruits of the Spirit. But when I read it in this version, it really kind of, oh, yeah. You know, God says we can live differently. So this is, I'll just let me read it. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. The fruit doesn't have to try, the tree doesn't have to try hard to produce. It just happens. Things like affection for others. Exuberance about life. Serenity. We develop a willingness to stick at things. A sense of compassion in our hearts. A conviction that basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal 
and direct our energies wisely. Can you hear those things and what we testified this morning from the different things? This is what God says we can have. We do not need to be stuck. Can you imagine what it would feel like if you didn't feel like you couldn't sort your attitude out when you really, really hated somebody? Or really, you know, Gary had good reason to have a problem with his dad, but God came and changed that. Imagine if I had not lived the last 25 years with a kind of sense of shame, and I trust God that he can restore that, Imagine if I hadn't lived with that thing, that actually I could have been free in that, just trusting God and doing what he'd given me to do and enjoying every day that he'd given me. Imagine that we could actually love people in a way that goes beyond what we can, that we can live as God wants, a basic holiness in everything we do. And the next bit that goes on to is the next two verses of that. And it's, I just like the way it's put here. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, and I believe we have chosen this, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we don't just hold on to it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we don't compare ourselves to others, don't compare others with each other. Wait a minute. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one was better than the other worse. I'm sure it's only me that's ever done that in this room. We have more, far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. And that's what God wants to say today. What is it I've said to you? Because you are original. And what he said to you might be the same as what he said to someone else, but it will sound different. It will be applied differently. But are we going to be people that just kind of hold it in an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts. I wouldn't have said I'd done that with those promises God had given me, but somewhere in it I had. But work it out in its implications in every day to live our lives. And I just want us, be, before we finish, just to take some time before God and ask him. There's a thing, do you know about like slipstreams? Like when I was young, I used to be, have a bunch of friends that had motorbikes and they used to do these really crazy things of how you'd get in the slipstream of a, a lorry and it would carry the bike along so they wouldn't uh, they use less petrol or something. It's very, very dangerous because then if the lorry stops, you're like at the back of it. Or the Finding Nemo film, you know that bit where he's going along to find, to find his... He's find Nemo, Finding Nemo, yeah. <laughs> and they're going along and it's hard work and it's going to take forever and then... There's this slipstream above them and they go into the slipstream and then get carried along. You know, God wants us to live in his slipstream of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to know where we're going and that it's a way of getting there is by his grace and his Holy Spirit. And I just want us to take a little time. I'm going to ask you some questions and I want you to be talking to God about them. It's a catch and chat time. But let's just take a minute. I want you just to close your eyes or look down or whatever, but this is just a time for you and God. And I'm going to ask you some questions and you talk to God. Are there any promises that God has given you that you've kept as an idea in your head or a concept that is interesting, that God is talking to you today about actually applying to your life?
Are there any promises? Just ask God to show you. If everything he has is yours, and that is his word today, ask God, what are the things that you're missing? Let him show you. To access everything that God has, you have to decide to get into the slipstream. You have to come out of you working hard to do the right thing and come into the slipstream of the Holy Spirit, which is his enabling power. It might feel like open heart surgery when you do that. It might just feel like release. But God is calling us into his slipstream. And I want you just now to talk to God about what that means for you. And if you're kind of thinking, if you find yourself saying, yeah, I know these promises, I know everything that God has is mine, but there's a but. If you hear the but, ask God to to show you what that but is. And I want you before him today to say it's time to let the but go. And God wants to bring you into the slipstream, but the only way to get into the slipstream is to say the but isn't an option. And you repent of that and step into surrender with him. Everything I have is yours. Imagine the changes in our money, in our families, in our homes, in our workplace, in our internal beings. God's slipstream is available for us today. There's a very, very strong message there, isn't there, about what God's saying. Um, I just want to thank all the people who contributed today. Uh, one thing that really struck me um, was just the, the openness and the vulnerability that people have shown before us as a community this morning, and I think that's really special. Um, I felt quite honoured really to sit there and listen to people as they shared Um, so I want to thank you for taking that step of boldness and talking about very real things um, that God is doing and I think that's such an encouragement to all of us it's something that you've modelled that I think we can expect that God can do in us Um, and it was just interesting again at the start when Ginny said one of the the precursors was that openness and vulnerability that people showed that allowed the doorway uh, for, for God to come in. And I think that's something that we can, we can take away and, and say, God, okay, what is it you're going to do in me? And what does that look like for you, being that, um, that open and vulnerable person before him? So thank you very much. That was excellent.